This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to really, we're in the very beginning of the sermon series. So if you haven't been here in the last few weeks, uh, you can catch up really quick. Daniel is a challenging book. It's going to be challenging to me and you. It's going to be challenging to me. Uh, let me just tell you right up front, when I, when I preach a sermon, I know the person that God wants to change and challenge first is me. I, I don't expect you to change and be challenged and not myself. It's always, Lord, what are you speaking to me about in this passage? Every passage, every message I preach... I, uh, I know the Lord is speaking to me. When I talk about temptation, I know that probably on Monday, I will probably be the first to be tempted. It, on Monday, I'll be the first one to see if I live out what I'm preaching. Uh, the enemy works that way, doesn't he? He's like, okay, you, uh, big shot, you want to preach about this, and uh, let's see how you do. And so I, I come up here with fear and trepidation. I don't come here with, with arrogance and pride, like somehow I've arrived, somehow my shadow heals the sick. I have not arrived. I am trying to live out exactly what I'm sharing with you. And in Mosaic Church, uh, we like to be genuine. We like to be authentic. Uh, We don't like to be fake. We don't like to give a false pretense. We don't like to wear masks. That's why we love people who come to the front and get prayed for, because we already know that you need to come to the front and be prayed for. I need to come to the front and be prayed for. So you coming to the front, responding, don't worry about what people might think because we already know that. We know, and we talked about a few weeks ago, months ago, that your clothes need to be washed. Everybody's clothes needs to be washed. Uh, and so, so we like to be genuine and real. So when we are talking about the book of Daniel, I'm saying, Lord, speak to me first. Last week, I won't go over the whole thing, but we talked about that uh, God is faithful. Remember? And we all said amen. God is faithful. And we love to say amen, but he's faithful to his word, isn't he? Just like you're faithful as parents. Uh, Robin and I did not do uh, a perfect job in parenting, which is obvious. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, And so it's hard as a parent, isn't it? It's hard to bring discipline. It's not easy. You know, the challenge is, am I disciplining too much or am I not disciplining enough? It's it's a tightrope for parents. But one thing we can't do as parents is not follow through what we say. Amen? And that's hard, isn't it? Well, I I told you we couldn't do this if you didn't do that. And then, you know, and you want to go. You know, you want to go to the movies too. And somehow it was linked to some, one of your child's behavior, and he didn't do it, and now you don't get to go to the movies. And, that, and sometimes, you know, I'm talking about my own experience, and then we like, all right, let's go, but next time you better. Uh, that's not good. And that's what's awesome about God. He's not like that. He is faithful to his word. We all like to quote his promises, and can I, uh, this is off, off script, uh, listen, when you're reading scripture promises, okay, um, 
try to know who the promise was given to, all right? It's don't, uh, don't be the center of the universe and assume that all promises that are in the Bible are for you. And so we tend to, we tend to do that. Um, but there's some basic principles and promises that, yes, we can stand on. So here we are. God is faithful, and that's what we talked about last week. But, and then I asked you to read Leviticus 26, if you remembered that. Talked about, you know, if you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, I'll, you'll be blessed. And we don't have time to read it. But I want to give you a, a backstory. How did we get to Daniel chapter 1? There is a backstory to it. And you can find the backstory, part of it, in 2 Kings chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, look on your phone, 2 Kings chapter 20. I'm going to read 18 verses for you, and I want you to put your thinking cap on, and I want you to hear the story and then begin to formulate in your mind where did it go wrong, all right? Something went wrong in this story, the backdrop to Daniel 1, and I'm going to read the backstory, and you are going to say, oh, I can see it there, and I begin to formulate in your mind where the problem lies. 2 Kings chapter 20, Hezekiah, he's uh, the king over uh, Judah, and uh, he is uh, having some problems here, so verse 1. About the time of Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, How I've always been faithful to you and how I've served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, a message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the, the God of your ancestors, David, says. I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you in this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil, and Hezekiah recovered. A few more verses. Meanwhile, put your thinking caps, it's coming. Meanwhile, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what sign will the Lord give to prove that he will heal me, that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? And so Isaiah replied, This is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow of the sundial to go forward 10 steps or backward 10 steps? The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied, so that would be easy. Make it go back 10 steps instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, 
and he caused the shadow to move ten steps backwards on the sundial of Ahaz. Soon, verse 12, uh, six more verses. Soon after this, Merodach Baladon, son of Baladon, king of Babylon, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick. Verse 13, Hezekiah received the Babylonian envoy and showed them everything in his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, and all the aromatic oils. He also took them to see the armory and showed them everything in the royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, what did these men want? Where were they from? And Hezekiah replied, they are from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? Isaiah asked him. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my treasuries. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of the Babylon king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this message you have given from me to the Lord, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the message you have given from me to the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during his own life. But the question I have for you, what happened? What did Hezekiah do that was so wrong? And I would suggest that you would write it down. Now you have to do a little bit other, some more backstory. You have to go back a chapter to verse chapter 19 and read that as well. And it will give you a bigger picture of why God responded the way he did. So what's the problem with giving envoys from Babylon a royal tour of the palace? You don't have to answer out loud. You don't have to text me right now. But what's wrong with showing the Babylonians everything in your house? in your palace. Now the Babylonians were the enemy. And especially in the old days, I'm gonna give you part of the answer, especially in the old days, when you begin diplomatic relations, they always come with strings attached. There's always ulterior motives. When Merodach, Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, he will, you'll see in, in previous chapter, he will solicit help from Hezekiah to beat the Assyrians. Now, I just read earlier on, you might have already forgotten, but God already delivered the Israelites from the Assyrians. Now, Babylon wants to create an allegiance with the Israelites, the people of God, to beat back the Assyrians. But they were already beaten back. The Lord had already delivered the Israelites from the Assyrians in 2 Kings 19. So I have a picture of uh, Michael Douglas here. So when the Babylonians asked 
to help to conquer the Assyrians, what did Hezekiah do? Did Hezekiah, from what we read, did he point to God and says, look what he's done for me. Look what he did for me in beating back the Assyrians. This is what he does. He doesn't point to God. He doesn't point to God's knowledge or the acknowledgement of God, who's the one that actually delivered them. He points to his treasures. He says, sure, I can help you. Look at all my resources. Look what I have to offer. So instead of Hezekiah continuing to trust in God, he begins to make an alliance with Babylon. And you know the, the future story. It's not good. It's not good. What happened, my next slide here, is that politics had replaced trust in the Lord. Let me repeat that. Politics had replaced trust in the Lord. Hezekiah thought, who can I begin to associate myself to make myself stronger, bigger, and better? He lost sight of God, who was the one that delivered them and protected them and guided them. It was God who was really their king. But Hezekiah, and we all do this, don't we, knew better, because he allowed politics to replace trust in the Lord. Now, before you think, boy, he really messed up, I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask myself, Lord, how have we done this? Lord, uh, you know, Eric mentioned it, but I'll say it all the time. Read yourself in the story as the antagonist in the story. Are you like Hezekiah? That's what I'm asking myself. Am I like Hezekiah? Us modern followers, we sometimes struggle with the very same thing Hezekiah struggles with. We fall prey to the same temptations. And for a moment, I want you to look in the mirror. Do we also put faith in political alliances, rather wholeheartedly trusting the Lord? I remember in 1992, or I can't remember actually, so 88, 92, there was a big, elect, a big election, and my daughter, Maylise, was just uh, a year old. Not even because, yeah, so she was a year old. And I remember thinking that the, uh, I voted for a president and he lost. And I remember the next day I was so distraught. I was so overwhelmed with grief and sadness, concern and fear. I mean, I was, I was depressed that my candidate lost. And I thought, that was it. I remember holding my, my daughter and my thinking, Lord, why, why did I bring her into the world? Why did I bring her into the world during this time? And I began, you could, you could literally feel the, the root system of fear begin to flood my heart. Fear, anxiety, depression, and it didn't dawn on me till later on is because I placed so much of my hope and my future and my faith in some political person or some political party. And Hezekiah does the same thing. He thinks logically. And, that's, and I know none of you do this. It's a challenge I want to share to my family, 
back at home or wherever they might be in my own family. Listen, don't think pragmatically when you're following Jesus. You know, it's kind of like in the beginning. Well, I, I ate of the fruit and I didn't die, so I guess it wasn't that bad. I guess it wasn't true. I am telling you, the Lord is faithful to his word. He is full of grace, but he is faithful to what he says. So it might seem logical. It might seem practical. It might seem like this is good to make allegiance with people who are not fearing God and loving God. So Hezekiah puts his faith in political uh, foes, really, in order to have a better future. And so I've asked the Lord to help me. You know, there's a, a quote out there. It's like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Have you heard that? That's not scriptural, all right? Eric and I, we we've ran, uh, uh, ran across a friend that loves Jesus, and uh, he wrote a, a letter talking about something he was for, and he was frustrated that some, some people were not with him in his cause, but witches were with him in his cause. And when I say witches, I'm not talking about like, you know, mean ladies or anything. We're talking about people who, who believe in, in, in Satanism, and he says, if they're with me, in my cause, then they're my friend. And I'm thinking, that's not scriptural. Why would someone of God align themselves with witches and Satanists because they agree on a particular point? And Hezekiah does the same thing. So the enemy of my enemy is not your friend. He's not a friend of God. So where do we put our faith in? Well, I could tell you in 1992, Mario put his faith in political parties and people. How are you going to respond this coming November? You know, Psalms 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? He comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So when we open our mouths or we pen our thoughts, do we speak as a spiritual, God-fearing believer to a nation that desperately needs to hear the gospel truth? Or have we stooped low and speak political talk? Maybe like Hezekiah, and I've found myself in times where the Lord has rebuked me, that we've adopted the culture way. And again, the culture isn't our enemy, but the, the way they do things. You know, people are not our enemy. They is us. They are made in the image of God. I'm their brother. I'm their sister. But the ways of the, of the world, there's, you know, there's, uh, there are people that will work 60, 70, 80 hours a week so that they can afford something that's really nice at the expense of their family. So they invest in their career. They've adopted a method, a way of life that later on they discover has some cost, some strings to it. 
If you want to preserve your treasures by trusting the Babylonians, one day the Babylonians will come and take away the things that are sacred to you. Children, family, church, our community of faith. Babylonians took away the prime young people. They, uh, they were castrated, and you only castrate people to make them servants to the king. So maybe this is the time that we just pause for a moment, and I just ask for us to just close our eyes for a moment, bow our heads, and say, Lord, help me, speak to me, if I am placing my trust in things besides you, or in people besides you. In my own method, my own ways, like Hezekiah did, he, he pointed to his treasures, his abilities, his richness. Lord, speak to us. Lord, help us to not fall prey to like Hezekiah did, because it will cost so much more, as we'll read on in Daniel chapter 1. Lord, forgive us for trusting in things and not you. In Jesus' name. Now, Daniel chapter 1 is a specific judgment. It's a, a specific story about a, a specific people. But you and I are going to extrapolate. We're going to say, okay, what are the principles that we can learn that we don't fall prey to the very same things? But there's some really neat things that we're going to learn in this story. We're going to learn that God is faithful. In verse 1 of Daniel, it says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim, reign of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonian and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought, brought to Babylon as, as captives. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in, in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. And God was faithful to his word. Was he not? We just read it. First Kings chapter 20. He was faithful to his word. It came, across, it came forward. It came true. So the, the Lord allows this thing to happen. Nebuchadnezzar carries away the temple vessels and allowed him to carry off some of the best people. So what can we learn I have the next slide up here. During the hardest moments, we can learn in, in chapter one of Daniel, in the hardest moments of life, when life seems out of control, our fate sometimes feels like it's in the hands of hostile enemy people, or you're under a hostile situation. Maybe you are literally being attacked by the, the enemy. 
I want us to learn in Daniel chapter one, these first few verses, during the hardest moments of our lives, remember that God is in control, all right? If you can remember that, that's a really good first step. I failed to remember that on that November day in 1992. I thought my hope, my future, my peace, my joy depended on what happened November 6th. And it did. And that's why I lost hope, joy, and peace. I got filled with anxiety, fearful. And I wish it would just ended that week. I remember uh, a year later, uh, we were, I think it was a year later, we had um, the first Gulf War. I remember like, what did I do? What did I do? Um, I imagine some of you parents must feel something similar today when you hear what's going on and you're bringing children to the world. And I'm here to tell you, I thought the same thing, and here we are, uh, you know, 20, 30 years later. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. So during the hardest times and moments, remember that God is still in control. You know, Matthew 10, 29, and I'm almost through here, states that the sparrow does not even fall to the ground without the Lord knowing it without permission. Romans 8, 28, you should know that all things work together for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. And my last slide, God has not abandoned us. He has not abandoned you. He did not abandon me. He has not forgotten us. He's not forgotten you. I would say on the contrary, he is right here with us, preserving us, filling us with his presence, his love, even in the midst of our trials. He has filled us with his grace. And I just want to stop here. I'm going to ask Bryce to come on up, uh, if you could. The team, I guess the team. And uh, I'd like for us to just pause for a moment. Next week is really important because it's going to teach us what we can do to resist being reprogrammed because last week's homework for you was what is, what is it that the ways of the world is trying for you to do? That was last week's question. This week is not a question so much but as a reminder that God is faithful, that he is with us. He has not abandoned us. And we're going to see something pretty incredible with Daniel and his friends, that they're going to excel without compromise. Excel without compromise. That's the challenge, isn't it, for us? How do we excel in the culture that we live in without compromise? How do we do that? So that's next week. But I'd like for us to pray. Let's just bow our, our heads and close our eyes and remember 828 of Romans, all things work together for good. Oh Lord, we just ask that you would help us this morning. Help me this morning, Father. Lord, to not fall prey like Hezekiah did. Lord, it's so easy to point the finger at him like I can't believe he did that. Lord, I thank you that this True story, historical stories in the Bible that in the language that we can read and Lord, that we can see ourselves in this story. Where we place our faith 
and our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. We will not be duped. Our alliance, our allegiance is with God, with Jesus. We put our faith and our hope in our lives in the hands of Christ. Lord, thank you that my hope and trust is in someone who is faithful and true and just and good. Lord, thank you that I get to be a part of that. Lord, thank you, Father. Let's just go ahead and stand. We're going to just sing this song again. It's one thing I love about being together as a, a family, whether you're at home or whether you're here in person. All this, there's a purpose behind it. There's a purpose why we're together. Yes, to lift up the name. The secondary purpose is to remind us, to challenge us, because it's so easy to forget, isn't it? Let's sing this song together. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.